0: Today, I'm going to tell you a story of greed, fraud, theft and murder. A small-time con man who evolves into a ruthless killer. From the suburbs of North Carolina to the secluded paradise of Bocas del Toro, Panama. William Dathan Holbert, or Wild Bill as he would become known, would target his victims by befriending them, Than killing them for their homes and businesses. This is a story of murder in paradise. I'm your host, Cambo. Grab a beer and pull up a deck chair. This is True Crime Island, another true crime podcast. Today I'm going to tell you the story of William Dathan Holbert or Wild Bill as he would be called. A lot of it comes from the book by Nick Foster titled The Jolly Roger Social Club and some of it from Investigations by Don Winner. Now William was born September 12th 1979 and grew up in a well-off family in a good neighbourhood. His father ran a gardening equipment business and William, being an only child, was given everything he wanted. A recreation room full of toys and gadgets, quad bikes and plenty of room to move. By 18, he was married to his high school sweetheart, Ryan Dunlap, and by 22, he had three children. He was always a big guy, and there was always rumours that he was taking steroids he set himself up as a landscape gardener, helped on by his family's involvement in the garden equipment supply business. There was plenty of work around as the real estate market was booming at the time. Even so, and with the advantage of having his father's business to help him, he really couldn't run the business very well and would find himself in debt after overstretching with a series of home loans. Later, He got work in the fitness club industry as a trainee manager after getting to know a couple who owned a successful chain of gyms. No one really knew about his financial woes at the time and desperate for money, he actually tried to sell one of the gyms in the chain that he worked for even though he had no financial interest in it at all. Apparently he stole $25,000 from the club and when the owner was asked about Holbert, he told reporters, "If only he could have focused himself, he had a brilliant mind." The owner declined to press charges. So here he started to show signs of what was to come, trying to make money the easy way, rather than putting in hard work to get it, and showing that he had no qualms about betraying the friends around him. While working at the gym he ended up hooking up with the receptionist, Laura Michelle Reese, and starts to lead a double life until he gets caught out by his wife, Ryan. He then moves out of his home, files for bankruptcy and divorce, then sets up this white supremacist bookshop. So he's gone from landscape gardener to fitness centre manager to racist book dealer. I mean, who was his career guidance counsellor at school? Anyway, it's here that he sets up a scam by falsifying some deeds to a North Carolina coastal property, sells it, and it brings him in about $200,000. He also sold a car he didn't own. He was now a wanted man, and at one stage he escaped in an off-road high-speed chase in Wyoming. This got him a feature spot on America's Most Wanted. Okay, so now he's on the run with his new girlfriend, Laura Reese. They take the money from the property scam and they head south to Puerto Viejo de Talamanca, Costa Rica. Here he would meet and befriend Jeffrey A. Klein, a US business owner and ex-lawyer. One night after inviting him to dinner... Laura distracted Klein by asking, So do you like spaghetti, Jeff? while Holbert smacked him in the back of the head with a hammer. As his face splattered into the plate of spaghetti, Holbert and Reese laughed and laughed. They then tied him up and tortured him until he gave them the PIN number to his ATM card. Holbert then killed Klein and buried his body in the backyard, covering the site with a poorly poured slab of concrete. They were able to get about $110,000 out of Klein's bank and then took off to Jaco, Costa Rica. Klein's body would eventually be found, but the police had him listed as a John Doe until a guy called Don Winner would begin an investigation into Holbert years later. Don would contact one of Klein's brothers in the U.S., get a DNA sample, and then the police were able to identify the victim as Jeff Klein. Actually, without getting too far ahead of the story, Don is still investigating other murders in Costa Rica that he believes Holbert performed while in Jaco. Witnesses Stacy and Alan Duckworth told Don that every couple of weeks, Holbert would go out and return in the morning covered in sweat and dirt, as if he had just buried a body. Then magically, a new car or something else would turn up. Holbert told Stacy once that he did murder someone, but not to tell Laura. So it looks like Holbert was on a killing spree in Costa Rica. Now look, a lot of US expats that go to places like Costa Rica and other Central American countries is to run or hide from something, be it alimony payments, the law, or even from other criminals. Not saying everyone that goes to live in places like this are running from something, but a lot are. Holbert picks up on this, and his MO seems to be to befriend someone and find out as much as possible about them. If they have property or money, then he kills them and takes what he can. Burying their remains wherever he can, often in his own backyard. A lot of his victims are under aliases, and not many people really know who they are, so they can go missing for a long time without anyone realising. So, from Jaco, Costa Rica, Holbert and Reese flee to Panama, to a place called Vulcan, under the aliases of William Adolfo Cortez and Jane Cortez. It's one of the poorer rural cities in Panama. Showing his ineptness at business, he sets up a Harley Davidson workshop in town, which is of course is doomed to fail. It's here that he sees a Craigslist ad for a property being advertised by Mike Brown at Bocas del Toro Province, Panama, in what was known as the Tierra Oscura, or Dark Lands. Mike Brown was actually Michael Francis Salem and had been a drug runner and had escaped from prison to retire with his Thai wife Nan and two sons, one of which was living with them at the time, while the other was away at school. Brown had his money in a Hong Kong bank and would withdraw it from a local ATM. So Holbert calls Brown and they organised a meet. Holbert plans to stay about three days on the property while he and Brown work out the purchase. The property is very secluded with the only way in via boat. It has a large two-storey four-bedroom house and it has a large boat shed nearby. Brown tells Holbert that in order to purchase property in Panama, most expats will set up a company and the assets are held as bearer shares. What that means in basic terms is that whoever physically holds the shares owns the property. You can just get them registered in your own name, no questions asked. Brown shows Holbert the bearer shares as proof that he owns the property. Holbert realises that the bearer shares are on the table ready for the taking. He then shoots Brown, his wife, and their 17 year old son and buries them in the large backyard. He then returned to get Reese and they set up house immediately at the new property telling anyone that asked that they had bought the place and that the Browns had moved away. As the Browns lived a very quiet lifestyle and had very few friends, they weren't noticed as being missing and no one filed a missing persons report. Holbert named the house Hacienda Cortez. Soon Holbert does up the boat shed as a bit of an expat's bar that he named the Jolly Roger Social Club with the motto that 90% of our customers survive. It would be open Friday and Saturday afternoons into the night and some close friends would stay over. This is where Holbert would get the nickname Wild Bill as he would get around wearing a Viking hat and long blonde hair. Even this business wasn't making much money. He would be lucky to break even on any weekend. However, as he was the barman, he had a great opportunity to listen in on his customers, who often were shady characters themselves. While Bill then puts an ad in the paper claiming that he's the buyer of properties at top dollar. A guy called Bo Isler, who'd been trying to sell his house for around eight months, would see this ad and make the call to Wild Bill. Bo Eisler was a former antiques dealer and bankrupt who went by the name Bo Yancey. He'd been able to get some money and antiques out of the country and set himself up. He was quite well known in the area and was quite generous with the locals. He had had enough of the lifestyle of the usual expats in the area that tended to lead a drug fueled lifestyle drugs were cheap here as it's on the cocaine route from South America to the US. He really didn't hang out much with these people but he decided to move near a friend south of Memphis Tennessee. Now this Bo character would often go away without telling anyone for months at a time so if no one saw him for a while it wouldn't raise suspicions. Bo told Wild Bill that he wanted to sell his house at Big Creek which was near the Boccas del Toro airport. He let it be known that he had set up a company and that the property ownership was by bearer shares. Holbert then killed Bo Isler and took all his assets, including the property as he now held the bearer shares. Bo was last seen in a cafe when he told a fellow cafe customer he was off to sell his house. The next day, A handyman Bo had hired to paint the house, arrived for work but was confronted by Holbert who yelled at him telling him that Bo was gone and to get off the property. Now Bo did have friends and one of them based in New Mexico. Well she asked a local to file a missing persons report but the police didn't really treat it seriously at the time. It took nearly five months for him to be noticed missing. She had noticed that his bills weren't getting paid and this was out of character for him. His credit card had been used throughout this period. She found out that Holbert had purchased the property from Bo and so she called him up asking if he had seen him. Holbert told her he'd taken off which sounded strange as she expected him to contact her when he moved. Soon Holbert would find his next target. Cheryl Hughes and her husband Keith Whirl had been friends with Wild Bill Holbert and Reese, and they would often drink heavily together. Anyway, Cheryl and Keith had recently split up and Cheryl had talked to Holbert about selling her house during several booze-filled get-togethers. Soon after Cheryl disappeared, her concerned brother went looking for her and when he turned up at her house... He was met by an angry Reese that told him that her husband now owned the property and that Cheryl had gone to Panama City. Holbert had even been seen walking around with Cheryl's iPod telling people she had left in a hurry. It was found that Cheryl had in fact sold a whole bunch of properties at the same time to Holbert. Suspicions were now starting to be raised as missing persons reports were being filed for Bo Eisler and Cheryl Hughes, and that they had both sold properties to Holbert. So Wild Bill Holbert and his wife Laura Reese had so far defrauded a property investor in the States of $200,000 or so and sold off several stolen cars, made their way to Costa Rica where they murdered at least one person, Jeff Klein, for his property but probably murdered several more. They then took off to Panama and murdered Mike Brown, his wife Nan, and their son. Murdered Beau Isler and Cheryl Hughes for all their respective properties and other assets, including bank balances. When a local newspaper ran photos of missing Beau Isler and Cheryl Hughes, Holbert and Reese ran. They would become the focus of a global manhunt the police searched the home of Cheryl Hughes that Holbert had stolen and found all of her stuff there, such as passports, credit cards, purse, a mobile phone or cell phone. This isn't stuff you would leave behind if you were going to live somewhere else, unless that somewhere else was in the backyard buried a few feet under, which is where the police found Hughes along with the body of Bo Eisler. Also, an investigation of the Mike Brown property uncovered three shallow graves. One for Mike, one for his wife and the other for his son. All buried in the backyard. Holbert and Reese made it to Costa Rica but then were detained on the border to Nicaragua and taken into custody. They would be extradited back to Panama the first time holbert was questioned by investigators he confessed to everything telling the police how he shot all of his victims in the head or neck and that reese was not part of it this was in 2010 and he and his now ex-wife reese are in separate jail cells awaiting trial his trial was scheduled for late 2016 but it's been delayed again and rescheduled for May 2017. While Holbert has been awaiting trial in Panama, he has founded a church called Panama Prison Ministries. He isn't known as Wild Bill now, but Brother Bill. He even has a website where there's a picture of him smiling behind a wooden pulpit. He has appeared on radio and TV, representing something called the Panamanian Prisoners Association, which stands up for prisoners' rights. He sees himself as a full on celebrity. He posts selfies of himself on Facebook, and he even has sponsored the prison soccer team by buying footy jerseys for the team. Reporters are always clamoring for interviews and posing for photos with Holbert. Nick Foster who wrote the book The Jolly Roger Social Club, A True Story of a Killer in Paradise, interviewed Holbert in prison. Holbert told him that in America they think of me as Charles Manson or Hannibal Lecter. I'm infamous. But here I'm lovable. I've done some cool shit and some bad shit. No one wants to be a mass murderer. He seems a bit like Charles Sabrage to me. It seems unlikely that Reese and Holbert will avoid a prison sentence. In fact, they will most likely get quite long sentences. Now I'm sure they are being tried separately and that Reese is trying to get all the murders heard at once. This means that if she were to be found guilty on all counts of murder then the sentences will be served concurrently. I'm not 100% sure that while Bill is going down this route and if found guilty, he may find himself with several sentences to be served consecutively. The justice system is very slow in Panama and so we won't find out for a while. Then there is the matter of the murder charges in Costa Rica. They would have to face these once they are released, if ever, from custody in Panama. Again, if they are released from Panama, and then avoid Costa Rican justice, there are still the matters relating to the $200,000 fraud from the US. But I guess the statute of limitations might be uh, expired by then. So whatever happens, while Bill and Laura Reese look to be out of action for quite a while to come, Reese is even remarried in prison. LOL. Well, Looking back over the whole saga, again we see someone from a well-off background going off the rails and becoming a serial murderer. When he was a landscape gardener, he could have made a mint. He had a lovely wife and three kids. You could say he had it all, but maybe because he was brought up in an affluent environment, that being well-off was normal for him and he wanted more, but was too lazy to actually do the work to make it happen. And so then he started to rip people off. But even so, he then progressed to murdering people to take their stuff. It's a big step to take from stealing someone's money to taking their life. I don't believe it was roid rage either, as these murders were premeditated and planned out in advance. I wonder if he had stopped at the stage where he'd murdered the Browns if he would have been caught. No one really noticed them missing as they led a very low-key life under assumed names in a very isolated area. The people the Browns did know were living there under the same circumstances so they probably didn't want to get involved with anything that would draw attention from the authorities. Greed. Greed is what ultimately got him undone. He just kept going for more. The fact that he could get hold of people's properties through the bearer shares method must have made it so tempting to continue murdering people. It makes you wonder how easy it would be for this to happen to any one of us. Goes to show that you really never know people. That guy next door that always offers to help or invites you to a barbecue. Maybe he has his eyes on your house and car. Maybe you notice he suddenly has a nice new car and wonder how he got that. This is what really interests me about true crime, seeing what people can do to other people. It really amazes me. I mean, I trod on the cat's tail years ago, but I still feel bad about it. But these guys and girls wouldn't think twice about stabbing you and burying you in the forest. So true crime islanders, that's another episode in the can. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I did researching and producing it. It's a little short one this week, but thanks must go out to Nick Foster, the author of the book, The Jolly Roger Social Club, A True Story of a Killer in Paradise. Have a read of it if you want to know a lot more, not only about the murders, but also about the lives of expats in Panama. The book goes into a lot more detail about what goes on in the region, Also, there's some great stuff by Don Winner on the internet about the murders in Costa Rica. I have shirts to give away, so go to my iTunes and leave a five-star review. It has to be a review and not just a rating. Each episode, one person will be chosen to get a Slasher True Crime Island t-shirt. Everyone will stay in the draw each episode. I'll need your address, though, If you are the chosen one, my usual shout outs to all the people from my Facebook page and, of course, all the wonderful members of the podcast we listen to Facebook group. It's a must to join if you are a podcaster or a listener. My Facebook page is starting to get a few members, so I may start putting more than just new episode announcements there. But I'm also on Twitter at True Crime Island. And now on Instagram, same, same, True Crime Island. I'll upload some pics relevant to each episode. As usual, you can go to the truecrimeisland.com website to stream or download episodes. But I'm on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Podcasts, even now on TuneIn Radio. In fact, just about anywhere that lists podcasts. I'm not, I don't think I'm on Google Play yet, though, but I will sort that out in the future. So, enough of that. Don't forget to delete your browser history. This is your host, Cambo, signing off from True Crime Island, another True Crime podcast.